Welcome to the Promises Workshop. My name is Alicia, and I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi, everybody. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, uh, we ask that all cell phones and other electronic devices be turned off now. We remind you that this session is being recorded. All speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. If there is press in the room, please do not take any unauthorized pictures or identify anyone using their full name. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. OA members are reminded when sharing to speak to your recovery in the OA program only. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will share for 20 minutes each, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. The topic for this session is The Promises. The following is a reading from OA's 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 90. The new attitudes of honesty and surrender to a power greater than ourselves have become a part of us by now. They are the basis of every choice we make in our day-to-day lives. Reviewing our recent behavior, keeping our higher power in charge of our lives, asking for guidance, and promptly admitting our errors becomes a sane and satisfying way of life, far better than nursing our fears or building a fresh set of resentments to harbor. Forced to adopt this new way of coping with life in order to recover from compulsive eating, we now find ourselves grateful for this program in its own right. Practicing the program has given us many gifts gifts which we wouldn't trade for the quick and easy solutions to our compulsive eating many of us once sought in every new diet. More gifts are in store for us as we continue uh, continue working the program and experiencing the miracle of permanent recovery one day at a time. Our first speaker is Julie from Auburn. Hi, I'm Julie R., a recovered compulsive overeater. Hi, Julie. Um, And, you know, I say recovered because that's one of the first promises that we have in the big book. We of I'm going to change the words to overeaters. We of Overeaters Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You know, so that's an awesome promise because that means that I'm not going to think, act, or behave like I did when I was 300 pounds and when I ate out of the garbage and when I stole food and when I hid food and when I picked a fight with my husband so that I could eat, you know, things like that. So it's telling me that I don't have to do that anymore. Um... Another promise, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had a deep and effective spiritual experience which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, 
towards our fellows and towards God's universe. So again, you know, I am not a dishonest woman. I don't manipulate money anymore. I don't um, character assassinate 24-7. I don't think about compulsively overeating. I... Um, I am neutral. I have neutrality. Again, this is another promise. And it's like, you know, I didn't hear a lot of those things when I came into OA in 1981. It was just, we were given a gray sheet and go for it. This is so much more, you know, yes, I'm abstinent. I weigh and measure all my food. I have complete entire black and white abstinence, but it's the promises that have changed my life. Well, it's working the steps that have changed my life and I get the promises. Um, another promise, for if an overeater failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. That's on page 14. So that's, it, it, even though it's a warning, but it's another promise. If I'm not going to do this work, I just don't want to be abstinent because I'll be crazy. If I don't have that deep uh, effect spiritual awakening experience, I'm just going to be a dry drunk, a dry compulsive overeater. And, and that's not what we get here. We get a new life. We get new freedom. We aren't living in constant fear. Another promise. Um, Above everything, we overeaters must be rid of selfishness. We must or it will kill us. God makes that possible. So if this disease isn't going to kill me emotionally, it's going to kill me physically. Uh, Again, I was 300 pounds. I'm 5'2". I've lost 152 pounds. Um, Something was going to get me for having all that extra weight on my body. But what it does to my head, right, because our disease centers in our mind. And as a result of that, I was insane all the time around food. I was not a very nice, loving, caring wife to my husband. I was all about me. And it tells me here that I don't have to have that anymore. Another promise, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow or the hereafter and that's on page 63 so you know how does that relate to to my life i was raised in a um a very dysfunctional family where they would say make sure you lock the doors somebody was going to come in and kill you so i always had this fear that somebody was going to get me even as an adult when i got married when my husband would go on a business trip or i went on a business trip i was looking out the window at the hotel i was having panic attacks Fast forward to today, I travel constantly for work. I have no fear about that. What changed? It tells me by working these steps, having that spiritual experience, I'm not going to have those fears like that. Do I still get afraid if I'm walking to my car and it's dark? Well, of course I am. I'm going to look around. I'm going to make sure nobody's there. But I'm not fear-stricken. I'm not panicked. I'm not going into um, a, a reason to go compulsively overeat. Another promise. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill towards all men, even our enemies, for we look at them as sick people. And that's on page 70. I had a field day by judging other people so that I could feel better and um, go ahead and, you know, give them those left-handed compliments, right? They don't know if they just were slapped or did I give them a compliment. That's what I would do. I can look at people. I don't have to like everybody, but I treat them with respect and love. Another promise. If we skip this 
vital step five. We may not overcome overeating. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives, trying to avoid the humbling experience. They have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they overate. And that's on page 72. So if I don't do a fifth step, meaning I don't do a thorough fourth step and turn that over to somebody, all my deepest, darkest secrets, so that I can make that list later of the harms that I've created and uh, make restitution for them, I'm going to eat again. And if I don't eat, I'm sure I'll just have emotional hangovers constantly. Um, Another promise. These are all on page 75. We can look at the world in the eye. I don't have to have all this shame for the things that I did. Yeah, they weren't good things. I hurt a lot of people. But I have have made amends Um, face-to-face, not texting, not over the phone. It says we'll go to any length if I want these promises to come true. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears again fall from us. We begin to fear, feel the nearness of our creator. The whole reason why we do this work is to get that relationship with the creator. It says lack of power was my problem. Food was not my problem. Food was my solution. So if, if lack of power is my problem and the only way that I can get power is by having a relationship, there's that promise. Another one, we feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. That's, again, page 75. And it's, you know, because I get out of myself. We are so selfish. The big book tells us all throughout it. We're selfish. We're self-centered to the core. And that is one of the roots of our problems. So everybody knows the step nine promises, but these were, none of these were step nine promises. The big book is riddled with promises and Um, I'll just kind of read a couple of them on step nine. Uh, We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. You know, when coming here, uh, I didn't have to stress out, oh my God, are they not going to like me? What am I going to do if they don't like me? How about if somebody says something about me? It's like, God, let me be of service. However, that's going to be. Let my God talk through me. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And that's on page 83. Yeah, you know, I am me because of my past. Um, I am I am Julie, authentic now, not this mean. Uh, I mean, I had that cash register honesty, but I wasn't honest, and I wasn't honest in my heart. Um, the food, I mean, we all have these horror stories with the food. Um, and I don't want to go into those because we've all done the same thing, you know, different degrees. I mean, I was a bulimic and I would do that five, six, seven times a day so that I could eat 20,000 of the calories and I was still 300 pounds. And it's like, but it's just what I had to do. And I don't have to do that anymore. Um, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. I was very depressed And even though I uh, excelled at my job, I excelled at being the football mom, doing those kind of things, I felt like a piece of you-know-what. And it wasn't wasn't when I was just 300 pounds. It was when I was uh, smaller than I am now. It was that internal thing that there was something wrong with me. I didn't quite fit in. I don't have that anymore. 
um, self-seeking will slip away. Well, it slips back in every once in a while. That's why I do my nightly 11-step review and I get to see where was I selfish and dishonest because, you know, I'm human. And what happens? We reconstruct that ego. So thank God I get to do a a nightly review and uh, spot uh, step 10s throughout the day so it doesn't come back and slap me, uh, you know, upside the head. Our whole attitude in life, outlook upon life will change. It was always doom and gloom. When is it going to fall? Uh, there's too many good things happening to me. Something bad's going to happen. You know, if my boss looked at me a certain way, maybe he had gas, but I took it like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired. Well, I've been with the company for 34 years. I doubt if I'm going to get fired. I've never had a bad review. But that's what happens to us when we are either in the food or we're a dry drunk. Um, so I'm going to skip on to some other um, promises. And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even food. So what does that mean? Well, we're promised neutrality. I think that comes lowered in the list. So I don't have to fight that anymore. I had an internal battle constantly. Should I eat this? No, I'm not going to eat it. I take it out of the refrigerator. I'm going to eat it. No, I can't eat it. I put it back. And I would have a battle. And guess who won? The food always won when I was in that battle. And once I took that first bite of my alcoholic food, there was nothing going to stop me while I went on my binge. Um, it was like either I was going to pass out because I ate so much because I, I would eat volume, 10, 20,000 calories at a sitting. I would run out of almost anything that could satisfy. And it didn't have to be sugar, salt, whatever. I could overeat on almost anything. Or I got interrupted if my husband got up. And, you know, I would put food in my pockets so he wouldn't see that I, you know, and turn my back so he wouldn't see what I had. I don't do that anymore. Um, I live with non-compulsive overeaters. We have my alcoholic foods everywhere. I bake. Christmas, I bake two to 3,000 cookies every year. I've done it for years. Now, sometimes back, you know, when I wasn't recovered and I wasn't living the program and, and working the steps as they're outlined in the big book, I would go on benches. But I'm um, heading towards my fifth year again. Thank you, God. Been in OA since 81. Do the math there. It's not, not continuous. But it's like I get to do it as a gift, and I don't battle. it's just I'm neutral and that's a promise we all have the same promise Um, we will see that our new attitude towards food has been given us without any thought or effort on our part it just comes that's the miracle and that's on page 85 you know I that that white knuckling it I don't do that and you know I'm free and I didn't do this it happened to me as a result of doing the work we are not fighting it neither are we avoiding temptation um when it's um my son's birthday my husband's birthday our anniversary we'll go out he'll have a piece of cake i don't even think about it i don't want one i don't i I don't have to avoid people places or things i go to parties i go to restaurants um I, I help in the kitchen when we're at an activity. I am promised neutrality. We have feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. Just talked about that. We have not even sworn off. Instead, 
The problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. Page 85. Um, and what a wonderful place to be. Doesn't mean that I don't have a bad day at work. It doesn't mean that I might get upset at one of my employees. Food never enters my thought. It is, I just eat my way to measured food that I committed that morning. Um, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for food is a subtle foe. And that's on page 85. So that's telling me if I let go of my spiritual disciplines that I do all day throughout the day, that food is going to be a step up for me. And it will only take me two or three days of not being in close proximity of my creator, which is inside of me, but I choose not to listen. I will become um, an angry woman. I will become short with people. I will start judging them in my head. And then what's next? Eventually, it's going to be the food. And it doesn't take very long. Um Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And that's page 86. So if I'm living a spiritual life, and I'm not saying, you know, sitting in a lotus position for an hour in the morning and in the afternoon at night, you know, I do what the big book tells me to do. Upon awakening, I ask God into my life before I get coffee, before I get on Facebook, on awakening, I just do a quick prayer, I get centered, and then I, I go get my coffee, and then I sit in quiet meditation about what my day is going to be like, so that I, I'm away from Julie, you know, that checklist, okay, I've got this customer, I've got this, i got to be home here, I'm going to fly here, it's like, no, God, show me what you want me to do today, and then it says all throughout the day, well, what does that mean? It's like I have these little mental cues, every time I walk into my office, I do a prayer. When I'm at a stoplight, I do a prayer. Um, it, and if I have the luxury of taking a lunch, I'll get something out, one of my books that I have in my office, and read for a little while and, and just sit there. So, th- Thank you. Um, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from compulsive overeating as intensive work with other compulsive overeaters. It works when others' activities fail. And that's page 89. So, you know, it's really hard to be shoving three jumbo jacks in your mouth when you're trying to help a newcomer um, with their alcoholic foods um, it, or reading Bill's story with somebody. It, it, you just, it doesn't go hand in hand. And I was reading, um, in Dr. Bob and the good old timers today. And it was, you know, Bob said that when he felt Dr. Bob felt he was getting a little attention coming on. He knew that he wasn't paying attention to the man at the town's hospital. So he went and worked with another alcoholic. Same thing with us. My doctor has my phone number. So when somebody wants to get the uh, surgery, she'll have them call me and talk about Overeaters Anonymous. We can be of service anywhere. I fly all the time. And losing 152 pounds, I have a lot of loose skin. So I really light up like a Christmas tree on the um, scanners. And somebody will say, Um, you know, what is all this? And I say, well, it's loose skin and I've lost weight. I've given my business card to women and that are in OA today because they were the TSA person. 
I mean, we can be of service anywhere. And, and the big book is so clear. Our phone's going to uh, jingle jangle often. It's like, I am so glad that when I was in relapse almost five years ago, that somebody called me and kept on calling me. And, you know, we're here for that next suffering compulsive overeater. And it says, I mean, those exact words, nothing will so much ensure immunity, immunity from drinking, overeating. You know, I say I'm recovered, not cured, because the big book tells me so. Recovered means that I don't think, act, or feel, behave any way like I did when I was an active compulsive overeater. That's what recovered is. It's being restored to sanity. I was not sane in any areas of my life. Um, and then, of course, this is on page 103. I think I said it earlier. We have stopped fighting anybody or anything. And these are just some of the promises that are in the big book, just some. There's so many more. Uh, and it's like I look at that, it's like, okay, it takes me, if I were to add up everything that I do, weigh and measure my food, get it ready, uh, call three people, talk to my sponsor, do a, my 11-step nightly review, um, pray and meditate. Uh, it takes, I'm just going to say, five hours. Let's say six hours. I was in the food 24-7, either physically eating or up here in my head, because that's where our disease is. And I was either stealing food from people's desks and uh, eating the uh, large leftover pastries when we have customers to the point where I would choke, um, wait for my husband to go to bed so that I could eat, eat food out of the garbage can. It was a 24-7 job. And today it's like, you know, that freedom that we get by working these steps and living a spiritual life, which is what this is all about. You know, I don't, I've lost the power, choice, and control to manage my food. That had to be something that was the grace was given to me by my creator. Because if I could manage my food, I wouldn't need Overeaters Anonymous. I wouldn't be here right now because I could just stay on a diet. You know, diets work. The difference is, is that I have the mind that will always take me back to that food if I'm in abstinence or not, because the obsession is going to come and kick my butt and drive me to the food. And then the cravings will begin and I'll be in that circle. But I promise that I'm going to become recovered and I don't have to do that anymore one day at a time if I do the simple tools that are outlaid and what are the tools? It's the steps. The steps. You know, I like to say the, the tools are the handrails to the steps, but they're, it's all kind of commingled. So I am just grateful to be here and be a member of Overeaters Anonymous because it saved my life. So thank you. Our second speaker is April from Berkeley. Hello, my name is April. I'm a compulsive overeater. So uh, I, too, went to the promises in the big book, um, a reading that I really love. We read it at the end of one of my regular meetings, and we fight over who gets to read it. (laughs) And it says here that 
We suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so I ask myself, what has God done for me that I could not do for myself? Well, 17 years ago, I was able to lose 50 pounds, and I still haven't found them. (laughs) To me, that is a miracle that I could not have, I tried for years and years and years. I was on diets. I could lose weight, no problem, but I was just like on a trampoline. What comes down must go back up and more further. So when I was approaching my, la- my top weight, I started having a fear of diets because I'd been on so many, and I'll just say I was 48 when I came in, so I had many years of practice of losing weight but not maintaining it. And I said, if I do another diet, I am going to go back up and more and I, to the point where then I'm just going to go for the moon, in which case I might as well just kill myself. So um, my doctor recommended Weight Watchers. Well, my sister, who was my binge buddy in our teenage years, has been to Weight Watchers so many times that she's like a lifetime member. But just like me and my diets, she'd lose the weight and gain it back. And she has serious health problems. I'm very fortunate I don't have those problems because I'm in this program. And so I was able to admit to myself that my problem is not a question of knowing what to eat. It's a question of emotional eating. I was unhappy, but I couldn't admit it. So I had a fear of diets. I had a fear of emotional truth. I did not want to face what was making me unhappy. I did not want to admit that I was unhappy. I had a fear of disappointing other people. And like I said, I was suicidal. All those things have been taken away from me. Not just the weight, but the fear of being truthful, facing my stuff instead of stuffing my face. Another part of the promises is that we will know a new freedom and a new happiness. Well, not only did I gain freedom from the food and the obsession, but this was a new happiness. In fact, I would say it was... When we say new, it's kind of like, when was the last time I could even think I was happy? And I couldn't. But after losing the weight and being in program and working the steps, I would run into people who said, oh, my God, April, is that you? I didn't recognize you. And it wasn't just the weight. It was my eyes, my smile, my face, my 
ease of being with myself. And that was, that is probably one of the best gifts that I've received in this program, which is um, having the courage to be myself just as I, who I am. And I learned that through the fourth and fifth steps. You know, it says at the beginning of the promises, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, they're talking about if we work these steps. <laughs> and working the fourth and fifth step for me was, it wasn't just being honest about the food. It was about being honest about who I was and how I was living my life. I wasn't very um, comfortable doing it. After all, I was working with someone as a sponsor who I hadn't known for that long. But there I was, sitting in her living room. My mouth was as dry as sand. I'd committed adultery, fraud, betrayal, rumor-mongering, characters, assassination, and self-promotion. Um... And no wonder I didn't want to face who I was. I was very uncomfortable, and so I would eat instead. But after taking those steps, I was able to, there was a sigh of relief that, okay, I'm just a human being. A concept that I'd heard about, kind of like you hear about, the theory of relativity, but who knows what it is, right? I don't. Um, so finally, I, I've had the courage to be myself and to be truthful. And I can be truthful about who I am to my sponsor. I can be truthful about who I am to the newcomer. There isn't anything as rewarding as talking with a newcomer or a sponsee and them telling me, oh, I did this. And me getting to tell them, well, what I've done. And they say, thank you so much for telling me your story. So um, the, my new happiness is just being comfortable with who I am. And that's, you know, that's a big, big gift. Um, then it goes on to say that um, we have the fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. Well, after being in this program for five years, not only did I have the courage to be myself, um, I had the courage to leave my marriage. And uh, there was a lot of economic insecurity leading up to that. I grew up in a family where we didn't have a lot. And my mother worked day and night to keep a roof over our heads. And... I, all my siblings and I are very diligent. We do not depend financially on anyone. But I was married to someone, and that gave me a higher standard of living than I knew I would be able to handle myself. And so what happened? I left my husband, and my employer offered me a promotion with more pay. <laughs> That is God doing something that I could not have done for myself. We gain a new way of living. And for me, that means living abstinently and cleanly, spiritually cleanly. And so I get to be, 
be honest, not just about who I am, but what I've done. It means that I can go to someone and say, I am really sorry it was wrong of me to do that or say that. Have you ever been like at a store or a place of business and you go up to the counter they tell you, no, you can't do that. And you've read all the rules and the rules tell me I can. And I get really angry and I start talking to them like they personally you know, ripped me off. And then I walk away and then I come back and I say, I am really sorry. I should not have treated you that way. I had no right to do that. And now I rarely even get mad at people. I just say, I'm really angry. I just want you to know this, but I'm not angry at you. You're not the problem. So please bear with me, and I take a breath. That's living cleanly, in my opinion, and that's something that this program has offered me. Um, So when when the promises say, um, are these extravagant promises? We say, we think not. not if we work for them. And so, as I mentioned, there were steps four and five, and there, then there were six and seven, and eight and nine. And it was not easy for me to become an honest person. I will say that right out. Um, I had to work for that. <laughs> and, of course, I thought I was an honest person to begin with. I mean, I didn't think I, you know, went out and robbed banks or I've never murdered anybody. And But, yes, I cheated, lied, you know, stolen time from my employer. Have we ever, had I ever thought of it that way, that when I was doing personal business at work, I was stealing, you know. Um, it's not just about staples and Xeroxes. <laughs> um, and so um, changing my way of living was, was really hard, but I did it because steps six and seven enabled me to have a higher power that could lift these character defects. Because up until then, it wasn't like I didn't want to change. It wasn't as if any time I'd harm someone and they were upset and hurt that I didn't want to change and be a nicer, kinder person, it's, I didn't know how the hell to do that. I was crippled. I felt like I was emotionally crippled and flawed as a human being and, of course, worthless because, you know, if we can't be perfect, we must be worthless. But in steps six and seven, I have a humble relationship with a higher power who has the power to help me change. And um, when I left my husband, um, I'll tell you, there's a part in the big book that talks about we walking through the arch of spiritual something or other. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like 
I don't know what's on the other side of that door, but I know I have a higher power. And so whenever I'm faced with anything that seems insurmountable, anything that just seems like I am not capable, I can remember that I have a power greater than myself that will bring me through to the other side. And I can let go of the results and know that I don't know what it's going to be on the other side, but my higher power will be there with me. Um, So all that is what I would call um, painstaking, and to be able to go to other people and admit the harms that I've done them. Well, like I said, I've been here for 17 years, and one of the first amends that I did was with my sister. She's just a year younger than me, so we were close for many years, and then we were very wide apart because we couldn't stand each other, um, unless we were both binging together. That was seemed to be the only way we could cohabitate. Um, well, I made my amends to her for being a jerk as a teenager or, you know, suggesting she stand up on a table and chairs when she was two and she fell and has a terrible scar to remind me of this. and You know, just things like that. Well, I took a trip with her recently. It was just the two of us. And at one point we were talking and she said, you know, April, you used to treat me like I was lower class than you. I'm paraphrasing what she said, but essentially, you acted like you were better than me, and you acted as if, you know, I didn't know what I was doing or that what I was doing had no value and that maybe you might benefit from knowing more about what I'm doing. And... So I kind of got into a little back and forth with her about, well, how would I know that you were doing something else because I was just wrapped up in what I was doing. So eventually I said to myself, this is going nowhere. This is an argument that is not worth having, and I'm not going to win it. The real issue here is I mistreated her. That's the bottom line, is that I was as we in civilians would say, I was mean to her. <laughs> but basically, I was judgmental and demeaning and demissive of her and how she lived her life. And so I just said, <clears throat> I can own that. Yes, that's what I did. And I'm really, really sorry that that's how I treated you. And I hope I don't treat you that way now. And she said that it meant the world to her that I was able to say that. So, you know, we're not maybe ready to do all of our amends right away. I found, I was amazed when I was just in the first three steps as I was abstinent and let go of more weight and was not obsessed with the food anymore flashbacks of binging started coming in like oh my god I did much more with food than I even thought you know so as our um, as our food gets cleaner our thinking gets clearer Um, so um, 
Things that I, I know about myself today are that, you know, I am capable of being dishonest, judgmental. I'm capable of righteous anger. Um, I can be self-seeking and selfish. I can certainly be full of self-pity and self-centered fear. But I can be truthful, loyal, um, kind, loving, forgiving, understanding, a good partner. And that's who I am most of the time now. And that's, that's the promise you know, of OA is that that we get to let go of this obsession and and walk in the light of a spirit that we never even knew where that was there. At least that's been my experience. I do not have to use food. I do not have to lie. I don't have to avoid the truth anymore. Um, and that's essentially what I hear in the promises. That's not what I hear in the words, but when I read the words, that's what my body is telling me, that my life is really different now than it was before. And I'm really, really grateful that... Um, that I walked into the door 17 years ago and that I heard from you that there is a solution and I heard from you that you had lost weight and kept it off and that was the only thing I wanted at the time. But indeed, as we all say, we've got so much more than we ever thought were possible. Thank you. Our third speaker is Gigi from Santa Rosa. Hi, I'm Gigi. I'm a compulsive overeater. I have some photos that they're going to circulate for you. Um, first of all, um, I've been a member since 2010, and to qualify, um, I've lost 180 pounds. My highest weight was close to 400 pounds, and 150 of that during my time with OA. So I thought to talk about the promises, I would tell you my story and then let you know how the promises came through for me. Um, see, I feel that I've personally witnessed the, some miracle happening through OA, and I'm very thankful because I do feel the promises in my life. To give you a history, I was a compulsive overeater all my adult life. I wasn't when I was a teenager and a child, but in my adult life, I was always putting the weight on, and it just kept increasing, getting more and more as time went by. Um, I did every diet there was. I did liquid fasts. I did Jenny Craig. I did everything. I did bariatric surgery. And after doing diets, the same problem would happen again. I'd say, oh, I'm done, and I'd start eating, and the weight would come back, in some cases more than when I started. So I inched up the scale to close to 400 pounds in 2008, 
And this was like very frightening for me because I thought I'm going I'm going to die from this. This is I'm going to be one of those people that cannot leave their home because they can't move. And I acquired a lot of bad habits. One thing is I never exercised. My doctors used to tell me you have to move, and I would never move. I would call people even when early years of OA, and they'd say, go out for a walk. And I wouldn't go for a walk. I never moved at all. I was a total couch potato. Um, I would eat in front of the TV. When I came home from work, I'd watch my three soap operas, and I'd eat, usually protein and candy, um, in front of the TV all night long. Um, I never ate a fruit or a vegetable, never. And, you know, I'd buy them because that's how I wanted to eat. I really wanted to eat them, and I'd buy them, and they'd be in my refrigerator, and they would rot. They would just rot, and I'd throw them out and buy more. But I was always hopeful, you know. I always thought maybe something will work. And I, I kept trying to do things because I really had a lot of hope that something would change. But my life was really unmanageable. When they say in the first step, your life is unmanageable, that's really what it was. Um, I could only buy clothes from, like, one catalog that carried size 32. I couldn't, I couldn't find underwear in my size except one place, and it was the ugliest thing. But that's all that I had to choose from. Um, my seatbelt in my car fit, thankfully, but none of my friends' car seatbelts fit. So I would find when I go sit in their car and try to put the seatbelt on that I wasn't going to be able to ride with them wherever we wanted to go. I had to follow in my car. When I flew on an airplane, I needed an extension, and that was always so humiliating to ask the stewardess for a seatbelt extension. And furniture broke. I worked for an IT company. I was an, a project manager. We had very expensive office furniture. We had economic, ergonomic chairs. And one day I plopped down in my chair and it broke underneath me. And I was so humiliated and they would not replace the chair. I had to go into a conference room and find some chair that nobody wanted and that was what I had for the rest of my career. And my doctors would always scold me. They would threaten I was going to die. My friends would tell me they were worried about me. I had high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, and a heart condition. I was on all kinds of medication. I was on high blood pressure medication. I was on diabetic medication. I wanted to change, but nothing happened until I joined OA. And then I was in program for about five years before I had my last abstinence. And um, I did have abstinence from time to time, but I was still going back and forth with the food. Um, what I did do, even during the times in my early years of OA, is that I did work the steps. I got a sponsor right away, and I worked the steps with my sponsor. I went to meetings, even if I came home and felt like a hypocrite because I was in the food as soon as I came home from the meeting, I still kept going back to meetings because they were inspiring. I would hear something, and it would say, well, maybe I can do that. Um, I did a lot of service. That is one thing I did was tons of service. Um, I was literature person at my meeting. I was intergroup secretary, intergroup pick chair. I worked on our spring retreat for many, many years. I was chair a few times. I was treasurer. I, I did a lot of service. 
But I couldn't get away from the food for the longest time. And I, I didn't think the promises were going to work for me. I really thought I was going to be overweight and obese for the rest of my life. So what changed, um, probably back in early 2014, I found out I had to have open-heart surgery. So the first thing I did was tell myself I was going to turn to higher power because I didn't know what else to do. So I stepped up my spiritual program, and I started praying an hour every day. I prayed a half hour in the morning and a half hour in the evening. Um. My understanding of what higher power is evolved over time. It isn't the same today that it was 10 years ago. I have a, a more um, a higher power that is more in tune with me than ever before. Um, I stepped up my spiritual program, and one thing I began to do was surrender my day to higher power. I, I turned my day over. And I got a realization when I did all this. And I realized that I was defining my life by things that really weren't me. I was defining who I was by what I owned, what my possessions were, by what I did, what my career was, what I did around for hobbies, things I accomplished, by my reputation. This was the hardest thing. What people thought of me was so important and I knew sometimes what they thought of me wasn't good for whatever reasons. And, like, I had to, like, learn that these are all my ego. These are not me. These are my ego, and these are not how I define who I am. And so what I realized when I took away all the things that I wasn't is what was left was that spirit of source, of higher power, that shines through you and um, lets you work its will in your day-to-day -day life. And that's the same thing that's in every one of us. So I kind of got out of my way, and I let these realizations start manifesting in my life. And it was around May of 2015 that I first saw the signs of a miracle. Um, for some reason, and I have no idea why, I took a walk. And I walked to the creek nearby and found that I could do it. So the miracle is, since that day, I have walked an hour every day, give or take maybe one or two days when I couldn't. And that was three years ago. Then in August of that year, I revised my food plan to a program that counted points, measured food, and stressed healthy eating because if you ate healthy, you had lower points in the food you were counting. So one day I came home, and I just said to myself, you know, I'm going to make a salad. So I went into the refrigerator, and I had fresh vegetables because I always had them. And I just got into cutting the vegetables and making the salad. I had a little protein to put in it. And, you know, I didn't really like it, but I liked the way I felt. It was like I like feeling this way when I eat this way. It was how I wanted to be. And um, I have gone from someone who never ate a single vegetable to having favorite vegetables. I just love corn. If I have corn on my plate, I eat that first. I love Brussels sprouts. I've learned some ways to make them really good. I love asparagus. I love carrots. I actually have favorite vegetables, which is really a miracle in itself. Um, 
So I became aware that the promises were unfolding in my life. I had a new freedom. The very basic new freedom that I had was that I could eat the way I wanted to eat. Whatever it was that made me eat um, in the past, ways that I felt guilty about, ways that would make me feel less than who I was, I didn't have that anymore. I could choose to eat the way I wanted to eat. And I knew, I always knew good nutrition. I always was educated about good nutrition. I just couldn't do it. But the new freedom was that I could do this in my life. But even more important than that is I became a person who I always wanted to be. It was like one day I realized, wow, I'm that person that I always dreamed I would be. And it was like such an eye-opening experience to find out that I could be this person. For example, I always wanted to do volunteer work. And every once in a while, I would volunteer somewhere. It would last a few months, and then I quit. Well, three years ago, I started volunteering at a local animal shelter, and I'm still volunteering there. Um, I wanted to take classes and things that were interesting to me, like writing and art, but I never... I always felt embarrassed to go to the class. What if I'm not as good as the other people? All these things held me back. So I started taking these classes, and I found out that, you know, I was really enjoying them, that I was having something in my life that I hadn't had for many of my adult years. But the thing that really changed for me is I started writing my first novel, and I found that writing was a passion for me. And I started it in 2016. I have 30 chapters written. I need nine more, and it's done. And, like, this is something that all my life I said, I'm a writer. But I never wrote. You know, I'm going to write that novel. But I never started it. Now I have it almost done. And it's like, what happened? What changed inside for this promise to come through, this new freedom? And the other promise that came through was I wasn't afraid of people anymore. Um, one of the things I started doing was a 10th step. And I would ask myself every night, where have I not been unconditionally loving? Because I always thought I was a good person. But when I ask myself, where am I not being unconditionally loving? It's like all of a sudden you start seeing things that really make a difference. Like, Oh, maybe I was standing in line behind an elderly person, and she was talking to the store clerk, and I wanted to get going. I had to be somewhere. I always have to be somewhere. And she's just taking forever talking, and the clerk is talking back, and I'm so impatient. But, you know, when I did the 10th step that night, I thought maybe that's the only person she gets to talk to that day. Maybe that's five minutes is all she has in the way of social interaction. So it's like I'm starting to develop a different kind of person, someone that higher power is coming through, not somebody driven by the food, but someone driven by a source coming through me and seeing people more unconditionally loving. Because, yeah, I was a good person, but I wasn't that. You know, I wasn't all going out of my way 
to see other people and understand other people from their perspective because I was too caught up in myself. Um, the biggest promise about not being afraid of people is I'm not a people pleaser anymore. I was really a people pleaser. Um, I took care of people even when it meant sacrificing taking care of myself. And I didn't do this because I was a good person. I did this because I was afraid of not being liked. I had to please people or my reputation would suffer. I was driven by the wrong reasons. And um, I realize now that, you know, there's this triangle of interaction, this triangle game you can get caught up in where there's the victim and the persecutor and the rescuer. And I spent a lot of my time being the rescuer, but sometimes the victim, and then once in a while the persecutor because the victim would get hurt and she'd lash out. So it's like I realized that um, I don't have to be afraid of people anymore. I don't have to play that rescuer game. I don't have to be controlling of them and wanting to fix their problems. You know, I can just be myself with them. And whatever I need, I can take care of. And if that source is shining through me, if I've removed the ego and I'm letting that source shine through, then I know I'm going to, t I'm going to interact with them on a different level than when I'm in the food. Um, another promise that came through was intuitively knowing how to handle situations that I didn't know how to handle before. I was pretty hopeless. Um, people would overstep my boundaries, and I was so used to that from the way I was treated as a child that I thought that was normal for other people to just get in my space and overstep my boundaries. But I began to realize that to be loving to yourself, you, you have to set healthy boundaries. You have to tell people what you need, what you have to do. And if they don't like it, you know, that is not something you're going to eat about. That is not something you're going to worry about. You're just going to go back and do your next right thing and allow the people around you to be who they are, but um, you just handle the situation the way, the way I feel I should. And um, since I'm setting healthy boundaries, I have a better sense of when the divine is acting through me. Uh, I'm not swayed by manipulation or guilt as much as before. You know, before I was swayed by manipulation and guilt because I really wanted people to like me. Now it's like I just want to be of service. I just want higher power to shine through me, do the next right thing. And it's like it's hard to manipulate a person when they're working from that place. So... Um, I also had a, 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 a healthier sense of where I am with people. You know, before my ego would build me up and then break me down. So I was always like better or worse. And I realized that I'm just on the same level as everyone else. Like in the seventh step when we talk about true humility, you know, it's just like I'm just right there. No better, no worse. And it's a much saner place to react with people and to interact with people. So basically, I have no explanation for how these changes happened because I have a feeling 
if some miracle didn't happen, I would have continued on my downward spiral till the end of my life. You know, I was just in the food, spiraling down, and I, I think I would have continued there. But something happened, and it happened shortly after my ninth step. I finished my ninth step, and that was around 2015, and that's when this change started happening. And it's still happening. And um, I'd say my connection to higher power is deeper now than it's ever been. It's really, really deep. And I continue to work the program. And I just want to say that I, I always thought I would be obese. When my doctors told me I was going to die, I felt powerless. I I'd, I'd never thought I would lose 180 pounds. I thought that was someone else. I had hope, but I really didn't believe that that would be me. Um, but I can tell you the promises are real, and they will manifest for you, for anyone who sticks with the program. So... If you don't mind, I'd like to read a for today to finish up. This is November 6th. A journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step. An OA member who has maintained a weight loss of more than 200 pounds for nearly 10 years is the same person who was barely able to walk in the door of her first meeting. There are a few people around who remember her as she was then grotesquely obese, wearing a size 52 dress that was bursting at the seams, and unable to sit on any of the chairs in the meeting room. But she took that first step. She came to the meeting, got help in dragging a bench to the table where she sat with others. She kept right on coming back, parlaying that single step into a size 3 dress, a 110-pound body, and a brand new life. So for today, now is the time to begin. Tomorrow is too late. The meeting is now open for three-minute pitches. Please sign the release form at the podium prior to speaking or right after you speak. We ask that you limit your share to three minutes and confine your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. This session will end at 5 p.m. Hi, my name's Rita. I'm a compulsive eater. Thank you so much. So inspiring. I loved it. Um, I just wanted to share a couple experiences that I've had with uh, promises. I I guess we we all can't hear enough of that, can we? Um, uh, By the way, uh, to qualify, uh, I'm maintaining a 80 to 85 pound weight loss for about 10 years now. haven't eaten my trigger foods for that amount of time. Been in program since 1983. Had some ups and downs. Kept coming back. That's my advice. Come back. Keep coming back. So, promises. I had a job. It was killing me. And I I started realizing it. 
And um, but I didn't know what to do because I needed the money. I needed to survive. I couldn't figure out what I was going to do. And um, but somehow the desire to be the person that I wanted to be was stronger than my willingness to stay in a job that was killing me. I mean, honestly, I used to walk in the door and I felt like I was getting slugged in the stomach. I was bad. Um, Anyway, so I finally, uh, you know, thanks to a lot of encouragement from all of you, these rooms are, are where I've gotten the courage to do whatever I've had to do in my life. But I got the courage to decide, make the decision to leave my job. And I I actually was of an age where I could retire, although that wasn't my plan. So um, I did decide to retire. And that year, for the first time ever, um, the place where I worked decided to give an incentive for retirement, which was a year's free salary, tax-free salary. And um, I had it all planned out, how I was going to invest it, how it was going to grow, how that was going to be my nest egg, and I was going to be able to live off that. I retired in 2008, (laughs) and I'm still here today, (laughs) despite (laughs) what happened in the world, and I'm okay because I trusted in my higher power. The second thing that happened is, oh, maybe, uh, I don't know, 10 or more, but maybe 15 10, 15 years ago, I signed, I co-signed a student loan for someone, and they, um, uh, without me really being aware of it, which is on me, but uh, they, um, what do you call it, defaulted. They defaulted, and I was held responsible for thousands of dollars. And um, I couldn't really, I did my steps on it, I couldn't really afford to pay it back, uh, uh, and leave my family in the lurch. So I, I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. And so with the help of my sponsor, you know, th- thank you, I prayed as much as I could and um, and became willing to, uh, to be open to doing whatever had to be done, you know, uh, praying for the willingness to do whatever had to be done. And uh, that loan was forgiven. And um, I owe nothing, and my credit scores back up there. That's the other thing I thought. The worst thing that could happen to me is to have a bad credit score. I mean, really? What a horrible person. But anyway, um, they never forgive student loans. They never do. Nobody can believe that it even happened to me. But it did. And um, other, this, I, I'm looking forward to hearing some other stories in here about how the promises have come true for you. Thank you. Beloved, <laughs> my name is Julie Compulsive Overeater. I got my peeps here. <laughs> I'm so thank you, beloved speakers, for your love and light and joy. The promises are coming true. The promises are yummy <laughs> for me. Um, so what I'm going to start off is on page 85 of the A Big Book into action. So what does that mean? 
one of my older sponsors said, willingness without action is a fantasy. <laughs> so I need to take action in order for these promises to come true. What does that look like? We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. So it's actually a choice. Happiness is a choice. Freedom is a state of mind. And my mind is a dangerous neighborhood because of my obsession. Food and people, places and things. All right. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. So here's the thing. I have a past. It's true. But I'm not here to blame my family of origin, society, or even you. I'm here to celebrate my recovery and um, embrace the promises only when I work the steps in the traditions and be of service and sponsor and all that other stuff in the 10 conferences. So the promises will come true when I show up. And then fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. If I work steps six and seven and ask my higher power to remove fi my financial fear and replace with financial faith, spiritual bling will take place. And I have to do that prayer over and over again to get out of my fear-based thinking. And then, are these extravagant promises? We think not. <laughs> Fulfilled amongst us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But here's the thing, I'm so impatient, I want it now. I, I'm Frank Sinatra, I want it my way. <laughs> you know, so here's another step six and seven higher power, please give me patience, you know, and to be able to, and see, that's another thing, prayer and meditation, I do a lot of talking, but not a lot of listening, so I, the more that I sit still with my higher power, the answers come, sometimes they come in one word, sometimes they come through you, like today, thank you, thank you, so um, I just have to keep on showing up. And I know for me, I have to increase my prayer and meditation, my meditation <laughs> the most. Okay, so I feel the promises being here. And this is a WE program I cannot recover without you. Thank you. So I'm Denise. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. I um, have only been in the program since January. Um, and my favorite thing to read at the meetings is the promises. And in fact, one of my meetings, our uh, secretary always leaves it for me. I, I, I love it. And 
I really listen to what the promises say. And I don't have big stories of weight loss. I don't have big stories of miracles. I don't have those stories. What I do have is a son and a very broken relationship. And it's through this program, and it's through the people that sit in the meetings. It's healed my relationship with my adult son. And I don't mean to cry because I hate crying in front of people. But um, it's who I have become. And who I have become is because of my higher power, which took forever to find, I have to admit. But it's because I have this higher power that has allowed me to forgive myself for the kind of mother I was and to forgive my son for the kind of son he was. And look at our relationship now, which is beautiful and complete. So that's all I want to say. Thank you. That is all the time we have for sharing. It is now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the All-Star Media Table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. Please join hands as we close with the third step prayer that you'll find on page 8 of your program.